From the nation's capital to the Sunshine State. It's compelling. The high plains of Kansas and the northeast corner of the land of enchantment. It's Monday. The land of EWTN all across the Lone Star State. It's GRN Alive. Bringing you faith, fun, and facts. Live from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us on the show. Call 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to GRN Alive Monday edition. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It is great to be on with you today. How was your weekend? Praise Jesus. Mine wasn't that bad, actually. Uh, if, if I got a great Friday retreat. We uh, we all all across the Guadalupe Radio Network. We took a retreat day. We were supposed to all be together in Midland for our retreat, but that didn't work out. So we sort of did it individually. And I got the great opportunity to hang out with my good friend. Uh, I would argue probably even my best friend, uh, Richard Reyna. Uh, he and I met halfway in between San Antonio and Houston. We went to what we call a painted church. And there's a whole series of painted churches in our neck of the woods, and they are exquisite. They are beautiful churches. The one we went to was in Schulenburg, and it was a German painted church. High, gorgeous altar. What a grace it was to be with a colleague and a friend to pray and uh, and to just spend some, some quality time with, and uh, it was just a wonderful time. And then, of course, over the weekend, we got to hang out with our friends for their house blessing, brand new house. So I just love that. And then, of course, Holy Mass yesterday with the family. So a uh, great weekend. That was my weekend. How was your weekend? I'd love to know if you're hanging out with us on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube. Leave a comment. Let me know how your weekend went. Today's show is going to be very interesting. Uh, I was blessed when I was in Dallas this past uh, week, uh, helping our colleagues up there prepare for the Summer Speaker Series, which is the, the 23rd, actually. Um, you can find details at grnonline.com. But uh, I was very blessed to have an opportunity to sit down with Tina Maudu Odidika and Charles Awuza, both from Nigeria. And it was probably the best interview I have ever had on the subject of Christian persecution in Nigeria. I am always very frustrated when it comes to the Christian persecution in Nigeria. Why? Because very few Nigerians are willing to talk the details. They want to be general, they want to be vague, and they don't want to get into it. These two got into it, and I loved it. They were very detailed. They explained to me, a knuckle-dragger, exactly all of the things that are at stake and at play that contribute to the persecution of Christians in Nigeria. And uh, I was just blown away. It was a great interview, and I was, I'm so excited to share that with you today. So that'll be our main interview. But we're also going to be speaking with Bobby Contreras about St. Michael. Did you know that St. Michael appeared in Italy? There's a cave there, and uh, there are little stones being passed all over the world. I'm showing it to our cameras. If you're hanging out with us on our live video feed, you can see this. But I've got a little reliquary in my hand. It's a little uh, reliquary with two stones inside. And these are uh, from that cave that St. Michael showed up. And he had a sword. By the way, that sword's still there. And in fact, I think it was two, three months ago, uh, the priest 
pulled the sword out and did a procession with the Holy Eucharist and St. Michael's sword to combat uh, coronavirus there in Italy. And uh, so Bobby is going to tell us the story uh, in a brief interview on the program today about St. Michael's Cave, about these relics, and how you might be able to obtain one for protecting your family. St. Michael, pray for us. So that's on the program today. We're going to be talking about persecution of the Christian church in Nigeria, but I have a list here. Of course, there was a church, another church, famous church, burned in France over the weekend. Uh, there's been a whole list of uh, attacks against the church in the United States. And I'll be reading that here in just a minute as well. So persecution of the Christian church. That is the topic of our program today, specifically in Nigeria, but right here in our backyard, too. Let's pray, and we'll jump into the headlines. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come. Before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy. Hear and answer me. Amen. And now the headlines with Tim Mott. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Good morning. These are your GRN headlines for Monday, July 20th. The total COVID-19 cases worldwide are 14.5 million. Total COVID-19 deaths worldwide are 604,000, with the recoveries at 7.96 million. The son of U.S. District Court Judge Esther Salas was fatally shot and her husband critically wounded when a gunman dressed as a FedEx driver entered their home on North Brunswick, uh, near North Brunswick, New Jersey on Sunday afternoon, according to local media. Salas herself was reportedly unharmed in the attack. The historic cathedral at Nantes in western France has suffered damage as a result of a fire on Saturday, July 18th. The 16th century rose window and the choir organ were both severely damaged. The cause of the blaze is still undetermined, but the fire is being investigated as a possible arson. A church in the New Haven, Connecticut parish at which the Knights of Columbus was founded was vandalized this week with a satanic symbol painted on the door. Father Michael McGivney, who will soon be beatified, began his priestly ministry at St. Mary's Parish in New Haven, the city's first parish, in 1877. Father McGivney founded the Knights of Columbus there in 1882. In 2018, nearby St. Joseph Church became part of St. Mary's Parish during a diocesan consolidation process. Father John Paul Walker, OP, the parish pastor, said in a Facebook post on Thursday that vandalism at St. Joseph Church had taken place overnight. Quote, words and various symbols, including a satanic one, were painted on the outside doors of the church, according to Walker. Archbishop Nelson Perez of Philadelphia will receive a liturgical vestment known as the pallium in a local mass this weekend, breaking from the tradition of receiving it in a papal ceremony at the Vatican due to COVID-related travel restrictions. Saudi Arabia's 84-year-old ruler, King Salman bin Abdul Aziz, has been admitted to the hospital in the capital, Riyadh, suffering from inflammation of the gallbladder, according to the state news agency, SPA. And finally, river cruises are making a quiet comeback on the Danube River after the COVID-19 pandemic brought global tourism to a standstill and forced companies to suspend voyages. Vacationers are adapting to strict new safety measures on elegant cruise ships, with Germany's Nico Cruises the first to restart Danube trips on June 22nd. And those are your GRN headlines for Monday, July 20th. Blessed Rita Josefa Pujalde y Sanchez, pray for us. She was a nun of the Sisters of Charity of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. She spent her life serving the poor, 
starting uh, schools for girls, especially in the poorest areas, and caring for the sick. Well, in the Spanish Civil War, when that broke out, which was a hot mess of anarchists and uh, communists and uh, and everybody in between, it was the church that got squeezed, and it was the church that got persecuted, and it was the church that became martyrs in that process. And she was among those. When she was 83 years old, blind, uh, she was told she had to flee for her life, and she refused. She refused, and she stayed her ground. But she was uh, swept up by these anarchists, these revolutionaries that like to burn and to pillage and to destroy. And they shot her on uh, at 3.30 p.m. on July 20th in 1936 outside of Madrid, Spain. And she is a martyr for the faith. So blessed Rita Josefa Pulhate y Sanchez, pray for us. But also, I think it's also today is the uh, the feast of Elijah the prophet. And uh, who does not love Elijah? If you're a man, and guess what? I'm holding in my hand here a brand new rosary that was provided to me by Elijah Reyna. And it's a man's rosary. I absolutely love it. It's it's just it's a beauty, beautiful thing. But it's also just a like a visceral experience to hold in your hands. It's a beautiful crucifix with the Benedictine medal, which has all those exorcism prayers. A big, huge metal beads that feel great in your hand on a on the what do you call that? Uh, this rope. It's just an amazing, amazing rosary. I'm very grateful to Elijah for it. Uh, the, 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 our fathers are actually spent nine millimeter casings uh, to remind us that this is a spiritual weapon to combat the devil and his minions and, uh, and to crush their heads. And it's a beautiful rosary by Elijah Reyna that provided it to me over the weekend. But Elijah the prophet. If you're a man, this is like the action flick of the Old Testament. It's like the book of Judges, right? You love the book of Judges. Why? Because it's action-packed. It's a page-turner. Elijah, in the First Kings chapter 18, has this incredible encounter with all of the priests of the, uh, the demonic spirit Baal. You see, the people, the ten tribes in the north, had given their heart over to pagan worship again. You know, God saved them from paganism out of Egypt, and now here they are turning their hearts back. And there are hundreds, literally hundreds of these priests that are worshiping this demonic spirit, pretending, masquerading as a god, Baal. So Elijah goes and he lays the wood to these people, literally. So he, he says, let's have, a little, uh, let's have a little contest here. I tell you what, we'll take two bowls, one for you, one for me. You build an altar, you lay the wood, you set the fire. No, don't set the fire, he said, in fact. Don't set the fire. That's better. Don't set the fire. You lay the altar, you lay the wood, you put the bowl on top, and then you beg your little god there to set the fire himself. Oh, yeah, that's what we're going to do. And so he gives them all the time they need. Please, take your time. Go for it. Do whatever you got to do. In fact, he gives them all day. And all day, these, these uh, priests of Tubael, this demonic spirit, are begging their, their god to come and start, start this fire. And, they, and nothing happens. There's no response. In fact, you get down to verse 27, and there's this funny section here where it says, quote, And at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is musing, or he has gone aside, or he's on a journey, or perhaps, perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened, unquote. I just love that. That's like fantastic humor in scripture, right? There's my kind of humor. It's like, cry to your God, oh, Baal, where are you? And nothing, nothing, zero, zilch. And then he's like, okay, it's my turn. 
he builds an altar, or he rebuilds the altar that was torn down to the one true God as a sort of a, a poke in the eye to you people. This is the real altar that you people have neglected. And then he builds a trench, like a little moat, around the altar. And then he puts the wood. Then he says, go take the stone jars and fill them. And then soak the calf and soak the wood and pour the the water all over the altar. And he does this not once, not twice, but he soaks everything three times. So everything is thoroughly soaked to to the brim. In the moat, everything is filled with water. And then, just one time, he cries out to God just once, and fire comes down from heaven and consumes the entire altar and the calf. Let that sink in. I think in today's modern church, we have forgotten that paganism is bad. Not all religions are equal. Paganism is bad because it's worshiping demonic spirits as though they are gods. It's allowing the devil and his minions into our lives. And God has come to set us free from the chains of diabolical oppression and sin. And Elijah reminds us of that today. And may he pray and intercede for us. Elijah, the prophet, pray for us. Good morning, Teresa Kamara. Good morning, Joe. Was that joyful or what? That was amazing. That was, because it's it's sh- it's God showing his work immediately. And sometimes we don't get that um, immediate uh, consolation. But at the same time, like we have all of these works, just our daily breath, that we can look back on and say his action is right here. Amen. You know, in the gift Praise of God. life. It's like it's like an old WWF wrestling match right it there is. in the Bible. Very much so. <laughs> it's very good. I love it. It's First Kings chapter eighteen. How was your weekend, by the way? It was fabulous. <clears throat> it was it was absolutely lovely. I actually did a whole bunch of baking really? <laughs> this weekend. Did you so did you bring samples? I didn't. I, didn't I brought anything. some last week, <laughs> but uh, I did a whole lot more this weekend. I was just in a baking mood, and fortunately, my my roommate enjoys it too. So, so yeah, it was it was nice. And then um, my brother is celebrating a birthday, so you know, getting a chance to to interact with him uh, from a distance but getting a chance to do that and, wow um yeah and getting a chance to go to mass and that has been lovely i um had some friends move into the area so you know getting a chance to talk to them about the ropes of houston and that's that's been really nice praise so, god yeah. praise god today on the program we're going to be talking to uh, bobby Contreras in a little bit just to talk about saint michael's cave in italy and the relics that you might be, obt- uh, be able to obtain we'll talk about that so the story of the cave and uh, and the relics themselves how to obtain them and why you should have uh, maybe a relic of St. Michael in your pocket. Men, I'm thinking of you in this. I have one by the grace of God. Bobby was generous to my family and we're going to be talking to him. Then we'll talk with uh, two uh, incredible people about the persecution of the Catholic Church and Christians in general in Nigeria. More than 620 people have been murdered in Nigeria for their faith so far this year. Uh, like some 13,000 in the last five years or so have lost their lives. So it's a very serious situation over there. And uh, I'm just so grateful that I was able to sit down with Tina and Charles to discuss that. So that's coming up in the program today. Uh, I have a list here mm-hmm. of uh, 
you know, talk about persecution in the United States. Now, yeah, complicit, I'm done that there's that many. Complicitclergy.com has an interactive map, which is, I guess, very slick. Mm-hmm. If, you know, so you can actually I, it's go very on there helpful. and see it. It's very helpful to make it real versus like, I think there was a church that might have been, yeah. but now I'm starting to mix them up. There are 50, over 50 yeah. on that list. Yeah. So uh, just recently, uh, of course, uh, St. Mary's Parish, New Haven, Connecticut, broken into, vandalized with satanic messages. Tim reported on that in his news segment. That was July 16th. The statue of Jesus was decapitated and knocked off the pedestal at Good Shepherd Catholic Parish in Miami on July 14th. Statue of the Virgin Mary was beheaded in Tennessee on July 13th. A Florida man, we discussed this last week, ran his minivan into a church in Ocala and set it on fire with parishioners inside on July 11th. On July 11th was a very busy day for the devil attacking the church. Arson was at the San Gabriel uh, Mission there on July 11th. Um, uh, let's see, the Virgin Mary statue burned in Dorchester uh, in Massachusetts on July 11th. The Virgin Mary statue vandalized at the Cathedral Prep School and Seminary in Queens, New York on July 10th. Uh, Saint Anipurosera was set on fire, or the statue was crushed in, uh, with sledgehammers in Sacramento, California on July 3rd. Virgin Mary statue destroyed at St. Anne's Catholic Church in Gary, Indiana on July 3rd. And I want to say they, they decapitated her as well, but I'm not sure. Catholic attacks uh, uh, while praying. So Catholics were praying and they were attacked outside of St. Louis uh, and the uh, statue of uh, St. Louis the Ninth. Um, in Missouri on June 29th. The crucifix destroyed at St. Bernadette Parish in Rockford, Illinois on June 29th. A woman and her children praying the rosary were threatened uh, by a man with a bat in Madison, Madison, Wisconsin. June 23rd, cross and graves vandalized at Catholic University Cemetery in Rhode Island. June 23rd, St. Hendeprosera's statue in Los Angeles uh, was uh, torn down on June 23rd. June 20th, and again in San Francisco on June 19th, to name just a few. Just a few. Yeah. Um, It reminds me of um, the homily I heard this weekend um, from a priest who's from Nigeria, actually. And one of the things that he addressed, which I thought was very important right now, is why... He was addressed, he was talking about the parable of the wheat and the weeds and mm-hmm. how the devil had sold the weeds and, you know, how does God allow for these bad things to happen? How does he allow for these things to continue? Mm-hmm. And he basically said, this is the cost of our free will. Like, if you have the ability, you have to be able to choose God. You need to be able to not, not choose God. You need to have that capacity. Um, but we still should choose God. And that doesn't mean that we stand by and just let this happen. So the question really for our audience is, what can you do in your spiritual life to root out the evil in yourself? And then also, to, because we all have concupiscence, we all have issues. But then also, how can you spread the faith so that way this stops? Like, on what level is God calling you to intervene? Mm. And, and right now it's going to be, we've got voting season, we've got various um, party platform conventions, but we know it's not just our, it's not just a spiritual warfare and it's not just a physical warfare. We have to address both. It's both and. And so, um, I don't know, Joe, if you want to chime in about any specifics, like I know we talked about like with Annunciation where people have have called forth. I know um, Grace Force has been putting together, um, the United States Grace Force has been putting together a group of spiritual Mm. disciplines um, to help uh, to grow the faithful and to unite on both a physical and a spiritual reality. 
Amen. Well, in just about a uh, minute and a half from now, we're going to be on with Bobby Contreras about St. Michael. And I think that's part of the answer, in my opinion, is uh, more than what we can do politically with advocacy, we can do way more with holiness and acts of reparation and repentance Mm -hmm. and uh, holy boldness and holy courage, Mm -hmm. right? So standing up for our faith, defending our our faithful, defending our properties uh, against the wickedness and the snares of the devil. That is uh, a spiritual combat, and it starts with the sacramentals of the church. And and Bobby will talk about the St. Michael portion of that in a minute. Don't forget, we also go into the after show, Mm -hmm. and uh, there's a lot of topics I want to talk about in the after show. Like, for instance, communion has been outlawed in Toronto. Okay, the state has no authority to do so. It can try, but I don't think as Catholics we should participate. We should just say, hard pass, we're not interested, you can send the cops, but you're not going to stop us from our religious uh, practice. But that's my opinion. Well, and the thing is, we're at a point right now where I think we can still do that without having to suffer something like the Chinese persecution, where they're going to like brutally attack you. And the thing is, if you don't, if we don't have that, and they're just like, oh, well, it's unenforceable, and they shrug their shoulders, because like, no one's going to do that. (laughs) You know, and that's, that's that's where we need to be as compared to like, oh, we have to go underground. Like, you're not at a point, especially in the U.S. or in Canada, where yeah. you need to go underground. It's yet. getting there, though. No. So also in the after show, uh, maybe we can talk about the bishop in Salt Lake denying communion on the tongue. We mentioned a part of that last week with Monsignor Charles Pope. We'll re- revisit that topic. Crazy video out of Chicago of a police, not in riot gear, just trying to defend the statue of St. Hedder there, uh, being brutally attacked by the mob. And just diabolical chaos is off the charts right now all across our whole world. But uh, joining us by phone right now is Bobby Contreras uh, about St. Michael. And it's good to have you on, Bobby. How are you, sir? I'm great. How are you? Praise Jesus, I'm alive. That counts. Amen. 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 Now, I'm holding in my hand uh, this beautiful uh, relic of St. Michael's Cave there. And I thought, let's start there. Maybe you can tell us the story of St. Michael's Cave. Well, there's a bunch of different stories, but I'll start up with the bull episode. Uh, it started um, where this this uh, this farmer uh, lost his most prized bull, uh, and he went up to this cave, which is now called uh, Monte um, Monte Gargano, uh, and basically uh, Monte San Angelo in Gargano, Italy. I'm sorry. And basically, what happened was um, he was this this farmer. Uh, was upset at this price bull because, of course, you know, they, they sell him and make money. But he shot an arrow because he couldn't get to where he was at. So he shot an arrow at this bull to kill him. And unfortunately, the arrow came back and reflected off the bull and came back and, 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 and hit the man, oh, and hit the farmer. That's terrible. So, yes. Yeah, so, so he was like, what in the heck is going on? He went to the archbishop and said, look, something bad is going on here. I can't retrieve my... My prize bull. Uh, can you? We pray and fast about this. I, I don't know what's wrong. I, I can't. This guy's. You know, this bull is kneeling in this cave. Well, the bull was kneeling in the cave because he was showing the importance of what this cave was to be, and that's how it started. Mm. Showing uh, Michael himself showed himself, but it, 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 it that's how it began to show the importance of this cave and. And just for the record, just really quick, I want to tell you, because I know we're pressed for time, but this place, this cave, okay, is the only church in the whole world, in the whole earth, that is consecrated by an archangel, by a saint. No other place is. 
very special place, this place. So this is Teresa. I'm not familiar with St. Michael's Cave, and you had mentioned, Joe, about the sword. Now, I, what does that mean? Is there like a is there like a stone thing that looks like a sword, or is no? It, it's an actual sword, right, it's Bobby? An actual, and, and where did it come from? <laughs> like, I don't understand. <laughs> the the story of the sword is is is, um, is is a little a little more complex. It's it it it, it my my. Uh, the, the specialty of what I know and the story that I know relates solely to the rock. The sword is something that uh, that, that is something that's more uh, newer uh, for 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 us, but it's very uh, efficacious, if I could say that, mm. because of Saint Michael is and what he did. So the story of Saint Michael is he opposed uh, Satan, you know, and it's a it's a battle of obedience more than it is a physical battle. They're angels; they have no material, you know, p- uh, aspects to them. They're not they're not you know they don't have no bodies. They're just spirits. So when Satan what? said, "I will not serve," uh, Saint Michael said, "I will serve," and that slayed Satan in and of itself. And it's a fascinating story. Right. But the story goes, he uh, there's a, he has there was an apparition there of Saint Michael, and there's the they actually have the sword, and they have processed recently with this sword along with the Holy Eucharist in a monstrance through the, uh, the streets of their their villa, and uh, to ward off uh, the COVID and uh, the diabolical oppression that is uh, facing our country. In our world, actually, um, these days, and so let's uh, let's talk about the relics themselves. So I have this little reliquary. Okay. It's got two rocks in it. Let me ask you a question. Uh, so the, these stones are from the walls of that cave. Is that true? It's it, it's actually a, a, a basement. Yes, but I would say they're from the surrounding. Uh, they're they're from that cave. Yes, yes, sir. Uh-huh. Why do you think, Bobby? Uh, I'm thinking men in particular, but it, men or women, why should we carry a relic of St. Michael? Well, well, St. Michael, first and foremost, wants to sharpen our sword, our spiritual sword. He wants us closer to God, okay? Um, and you see that when you pray the chaplet of, uh, uh, of St. Michael. You, you see it, and you know, you've got to pray it, uh, understand it. Pray it once, and then you'll understand a little more about who St. Michael is, but uh, he wants us to get, uh, he, he's given us a gift, a grace to go to, uh, something that's part of who he is. He said, uh, he said, whoever carries the stone, I will, I will defend you as you're my own. This is what his word. Mm. And some of the exorcists that I know, and I, and I, and I've talked to many, I know many, and including maybe somebody famous, you all know, Father Chad Rippinger, he says, that uh, the importance of the relic stone is is, is, is a gift from heaven, mm. and uh, I'm so thankful that you know we have access to this right now because they're very hard to get as we speak. So okay, let's talk about that then. How <laughs> I know how I got mine. You were very generous to me and my family, and you provided us this relic. But how does if someone wanted one of these relics, how do they get get them? Sure, sure. Um, there is a website. Called Saint Michael the Archangel. Us, and you can uh, go to their website. It's the Michaelite Orders website. It's from you know their, their order, the, the, the priests that run this cave. Okay, they're out throughout Europe, and they're also in Argentina and some other uh, South American countries. But they um, they're sold out right now. Unfortunately, I don't know why. But we work through the missionary priest of the Michaelite Order. Who, who has given us uh, uh, this grace 
to, to give these out too, and 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 to and to ask for the donation that that they're asking for. So we support them in that way. I don't know what the holdup is with the website, but if you can't find one mm. or, or you're unable to attain one, I can get one for you. Uh, you can email me at uh, stmichaelwarrior at gmail.com. stmichaelwarrior at gmail.com is a great place to send Bobby a note. Yes. And uh, and he can point you in the right direction. Saint Michael Warrior yeah. at gmail dot com. Is there a cost associated with obtaining or providing these relics to folks? I tell you what, Father Chad Rippinger. If you go to his uh, if you go to his uh, if you go to YouTube, you'll see his video. He says, "Give them fifty five dollars." Well, I if you want if, if you give me thirty five dollars, I'll, I'll I'll send you one. It's a donation. It's a donation. Okay. It's to keep us balanced, but. Um, Thirty-five dollars. I think that's that's that's, that's fair, and uh, that I pay for shipping and handling. And uh, you're going to get something that I think that you need to grow spiritually. Amen. And uh, it's always a good thing to ask St. Michael to defend us and be our protector. We pray the St. Michael prayer after Holy Mass on Sundays. Why not uh, Why not have a deeper devotion to this archangel that would love to defend us and, and to be with us on our journey through this life? Uh, Bobby Contreras, thank you for your time today. Thank you for being on and, uh, and sharing this story of the St. Michael's Cave and the relics. No problem. Thank you, guys. God bless you all. God bless you, too. Once again, stmichaelwarrior at gmail.com. We're linking uh, to all the stuff we talk about on the show over on our Facebook feed at facebook.com forward slash GRN online. You can find it there. Uh, Plus, if you're over on YouTube, uh, you can uh, link back to us. I always include the YouTube video in the playlist along with the notes. And check out the podcast. Download our mobile app. Look for Guadalupe Radio Network on iOS or Android. Go to the flyout. Find the podcast. You'll find it there as well. We'll be right back with persecution in Nigeria. You're listening to GRN Alive. Now is a great time to call 877-757-9424. Listening to Catholic Radio and getting excited about learning about your Catholic faith can be, well... Infectious. I converted uh, in my 20s to a uh, Protestant, and uh, this is the first time I've heard Catholic radio. I've been listening to it for a couple hours driving. First time I've ever heard Catholics actually excited about what they believe. I'm going to tell you what, this has been uh, one of the greatest two hours that I've had in a while. And a special thank you to our donors for keeping Catholic radio on the air. Thank you, and may God bless you. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. I love the shows with the Catholic apologists. I love the shows with the sort of day-to-day psychologist, Greg and Lisa Popchek. I love hearing not just of other people's problems who call in, but I love getting the Catholic take on how to deal with day-to-day reality. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. We're hiring. Guadalupe Radio Network has an opening for a general manager of our West Texas and New Mexico operations based out of our flagship station in Midland. It's a wonderful opportunity for a mission-focused, faithful Catholic to join an apostolate dedicated to spreading the Catholic faith by the means of radio. Bilingual is required. Send your cover letter and resume to careers at grnonline.com. Careers at grnonline.com. 
If you have an old gas guzzler you want to get rid of, the Guadalupe Radio Network would love to have it. To donate it to us, you can either call 888-784-3476 or come by grnonline.com and click on Donate. Again, that's 888-784-3476 or come by grnonline.com and click on Donate. Even better, we'll come pick it up for you and give you a tax receipt so you can write it off. What a great way to help others and support the Guadalupe Radio Network. May God abundantly bless you. Thank you for being a part of the Guadalupe Radio Network family. I'm Joe McLean. I'm sitting in for Dave Palmer right now for uh, an, a special interview. I'm very excited about this. This is an interview of the week, but we're going to double dip a little bit, and I'm going to take the opportunity, because Dave Palmer extended it to me, to uh, record this interview, and I want to share it on my show, GRN Alive Monday edition, uh, because it's a topic that I, I am passionate about, and one that I have been confused, ignorant, uneducated, and wanted more information I think today is going to give us that opportunity. And the topic is about Nigeria and the persecution of Christians in Nigeria and how their lives matter too. And how we in the West can be educated and informed about the real issues over there and uh, maybe even get some tips on what we can do about that. Uh, I have found in my own experience that uh, the information that comes from Nigeria is sometimes uh, not the full picture. It's sometimes a little older, outdated, and finding information in sources that that could give us the actual boots on the ground facts and figures of what is going on, why is it going on, and what we should do, I have found it frustrating at best. And today we have some very special guests to talk to in this interview. They've been on uh, Dave Palmer's Journal Live Friday before, uh, but he, again, he gave me this opportunity to sit in his seat and uh, and have this conversation myself, and I, I couldn't say no to that. Uh, so I want to welcome uh, Tina Maudu Odi. Odidika, and forgive me, uh, and Charles Awuzia from Nigeria, who live here in the North Texas area. Uh, well, thanks for being on with us again. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, I just apologize for getting your names wrong. It's just, it is okay. It's a very difficult thing for me, but uh, I am very glad you're here, and I'm, I thank you for for your willingness to speak out about the persecution of your people in Nigeria, and uh, for helping to educate us and bring some awareness to this issue. Uh, so let's start with, can we get a brief history of Nigeria? Because uh, this is one of the areas I think a lot of us in the West really have no idea. Like, what is, why is there people dying in Nigeria? I think we think in simple terms of Christian versus Muslim, but it's actually way more complicated than that. And maybe you can give us a brief history of war, of your people and why there is uh, kind of several layers to this complicated onion. Charles? Yes. Um, let me start by saying that uh, in 1914, uh, the northern and southern protectorates of what later became Nigeria were merged, amalgamated. Mm. And in 1960, Nigeria, as a creation of the, the British, became independent. Mm. And Nigeria is broadly made of Three major um, tribes. We have the Hausa in the north, but we talk about Hausa Fulani. Then we have the the Yoruba, the Odujuwa in the west, mm. and we have the prominent, uh, predominantly Igbo in the in the east. Mm. So that is Nigeria setting for you. And when did Christianity come to Nigeria? Uh, Christian, 
<laughs> it's Charles's phone going off. Christianity in Nigeria uh, came about at different points because yeah. it, it came through, um, first of all, it came from the south, mm. uh, um, which is the eastern part, and from the west at different points by different missionaries. We have the we have the CMS in the west, mm. and then we have the Catholic uh, coming to the eastern eastern region of uh, Nigeria. Then, still on religion, we have the Muslim mm. having influence and foothold in the north part, yeah. of, part of Nigeria. You know, uh, I think of I'm thinking of Saint Augustine, who was from Northern Africa, yes. and uh, and how 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 Christian Northern Africa was in his day in his age and then uh and once uh, muhammad and islam began the rise and the push by sword uh we saw that christianity was being taken away from africa and uh so how much of that is at play here in nigeria so we have these various tribes and then out of those tribes which ones are christians and which ones aren't and what are they i can probably speak to this I can tell you that when the British or the Portuguese who first came and brought uh, some part of the European influence into the south because they sailed through the Atlantic Ocean mm. and we happen to be at the coast of the Atlantic Ocean. The northern part of Nigeria is cr closer to Morocco and the Sahel, mm. the Sahara Desert. So when they first came, they, their influence first got to us first and then to the western part of Nigeria, the coastal region of Nigeria, before it reached the, the north. And what you said exactly happened. The Christianity that was blooming mm. in Morocco and those places was not being pushed yeah. out by the influence of the Muslims. But when they came... And through the same route, the British and the Irish came. The mm. Irish people are, are really the people who brought Christianity and Catholicism to Biafra, to what we call Biafra, the Igbo land, the coastal regions of the eastern part of Nigeria. And so those people took it and really embraced Christianity because I remember my father talking about how his father... And his uh, aunts and family were schooled, uh, being indoctrinated in the Christianity, in the Christian doctrine, mm. and how he then came up and took it himself, and was married, was baptized in the Catholic Church, was married in the Catholic Church, and was schooled in the Catholic Church, so that he became one of the elders in the Catholic Church who actually taught the Catholic doctrines yeah. to others in my village and in my town and became one of the cornerstones of Catholicism in my town with many others. So that's how Christianity started. Yeah. And when you took a foothold in that area of the country, it spread like wildfire. So the Englishmen who came later on knew that these people were already Christians. Mm. And the, but instead of aligning themselves with the Christian South, the Christian people that they found, they aligned themselves with the house of the Fulani people. Actually, those were the they were the, the uh, 
the aliens, they came from somewhere else. Oh, really? Yes. So they, they weren't native to they the region. On the Fulani people are not native to Nigeria space oh, is that at right? that point. Yeah. No. But they aligned themselves with them because they found them a willing tool for what they were seeking. What the Englishmen were seeking was the resources yeah. of the land. And what, what century was this when this was happening? When this, they first was, got there? this was in the 18th century at first and then in the early 19th century. Okay. Yeah. yeah. When, wow. when all this was taking place. But as time went on, they found that the Fulanese were less educated now mm. and not Christianized in any way, were more uh, willing and could be uh, persuaded to do whatever they wanted as long as wow. they kind of promoted them and said, oh, you're in charge of this and you're in charge of that. So they used them mm. to actually oppress the other people, even the Christians who they should have aligned themselves with. And that's the history of Nigeria. So there's like there's like three or four layers there. Oh my goodness. There's the tribal layer. Yes. There's the political layer. Yes. Then there's the religious layer. Yes. Uh, and I guess you could add another layer that would be just just regular old good old oh, fashioned greed. Greed. You layer. know. <laughs> yes. and Power and a, control. Yes. yes. And and in addition to that, when the Fulanese, because they came from where is called the Futajelon, mm. when they appeared in Futa, when they appeared from Futajelon. The Hausa community, which was predominantly in the north, mm. were an existing indigenous population. Mm. So they came in with their own system and tried and subverted the entire Hausa culture mm -hmm. and dominated them wow. and assimilated their language to the extent that because the Fulani language is Fufude, it's not Hausa, mm -hmm. but they assimilated the Hausa and the general language in the north becomes Hausa language. Oh, wow. Yes. So from that point and from historical evidences, from what their founding father said, that they were going to dip the Koran at the sea, you, that Nigeria is their own estate and that the Middle Belt are going to be their, their conquered estate. Wow. And that from that point, that is the script that is still unfolding up to today. And what does Nigeria have that they wanted so badly? Be, before this time, mm -hmm. there were, we had uh, the so-called granite pyramids in the mm -hmm. north. Then in the east, Eastern region, which is Biafra land, we have palm produce. Yes. We have every manner of agriculture. Mm -hmm. uh, tubers, palm produce, but palm produce was going into, into it was a major cash crop. Mm. Then we also had rubber in some places. Sure. Then in the West, they had cocoa mm -hmm. that was a major cash crop. Wow. But yes. while all this were going on, mm -hmm. Exploration was also going on secretly. So when they discovered oil, in <laughs> that's, the, that's, that's, that's the end of it. We got to have the whole thing now. It's the land of milk and honey. It sounds like absolutely. yes, it is. Yeah, and that's absolutely. what we call it. Yeah, we call, call our yes, Biafra land is the land of milk and honey, wow. and it's the land of the rising sun. 
We're talking with uh, Tina Madu Odirika and Charles Awuza. We're talking about Nigeria, and uh, we've gotten a little bit of brief history on uh, the uh, Nigerian people in the country and the difficulties, some of the challenges. And, you know, there's a, a, a real persecution. Christians are dying there, shedding their blood. I mean, uh, just recently, we had a very kind of crazy weekend here in America. We had church, we had a, someone ram a van into a church in Florida, pour two <laughs> gallons of gasoline and light it on fire. We had another church burnt in, Cali- in California. We've had statues desecrated. But you know what? In uh, Nigeria, that would be called an easy day. That would be called an easy day because in Nigeria, it's blood that's being shed. It's not just churches burnt or bombed. It's people actually shedding their blood for the Lord Jesus Christ and suffering in a big way. And again, I found it very difficult to find good sources to tell us about what's going on there. And that's the conversation we're having right now about our Christian brothers and sisters in Nigeria. Real quick, before we dive into the actual persecution-like part of it, um, can you just, again, give us, I don't understand tribalism. Uh, Westerners, specifically people who have just, uh, who have come from, uh, European lines, like myself. I came from, uh, Scottish, Scottish and English lines. Uh, we came over in the 18th century to America. And we have a clan, tribal background, but we're, we're hundreds of years removed from it. Uh, so we have no concept of what it means to be a part of a tribe. Can you, in a few minutes, help me to understand what it means to be a part of a tribe? I guess I should start by saying that our forefathers traveled and migrated from the land of Israel itself. I know someone in your audience has heard that um, there are Jews, black Jews in Africa. Ethiopia, for sure. Ethiopia, we migrated through Ethiopia Ethiopia, and went all the way to where we reside today in the Bight of Biafra, which is on the coastal region of Wow. Atlantic Ocean. Amazing. Okay. So we believe that we're Jews. That's number one. And because we knew Elohim from the get-go, mm-hmm. that's why when the Christians came to our land and preached the same God, we were able to recognize it and we bought it. Mm. And we took it over and that's how it flourished. Wow. Where we you are. saw the promise being fulfilled. Exactly. Wow. That's why our people became Christians. That's amazing. It's not because we didn't have any faith or we were worshiping um, idols. No, I, my people never worshiped idols. It might seem to an untrained eyes like we were worshiping idols, but we have always had what we call the Chukuo Kikabiyama. Chukuo Kikabiyama means the only God who created. Mm. And when you get close to him, you know him. That's amazing. That's all it means. Yeah. And when we say it in our language, which is Igbo language, you wouldn't understand, of course. Mm. But now that everyone has been trained in the English language, at least in America, when you translate or transliterate Chukwokikabiyama, it means God, who is able to create, and when you get close to him, you know him. So mm. come and know him. That's what the God we worshipped even then. So uh, to come back to your question mm. about you know, what does it feel to be a, in a tribe? It is a family. The family grows and it keeps growing. And we grew from that coming from, there were two sets of us who came through uh, Ethiopia to Biafra. Mm. And then there's another group who came through uh, the western side, probably through Morocco and Senegal and came down 
through um, what's that Chad and came into Biafra and mm. traveled all the way to where we are. Okay, so they, those two groups merged and they became they knew each other just because they they came from the same area. Yeah, and so we formed that tribe and our tribe's name is Igbo, but Igbo people then started dividing and multiplying mm. and took over all of that eastern region of the southern part of Nigeria. So we are many in number today. I think the last thing that we looked at, me and him, we were looking at it, we were like, we might be more than, more than 70% of that country. Really? Right now. Well, okay, so, so that, that, that brings up a question in my mind. Christian, I'll have to come back on that question, yeah. Right, and we go everywhere. And there's yeah. no place in the world where you will go and not find a Biafran. No well, place. Well, that's certainly true no for place. all the markets of the Guadalupe Radio Network. We have large communities of Nigerian peoples. Uh, is, you know, I'm, I live in Houston, and it's the most diverse city in America, demographically, and we have a huge community of uh, Nigerians there, as well as other communities from other parts of Africa as well. So uh, that's very true. I mean, uh, it's been an amazing experience to, to experience Christianity from their perspective. We travel far and wide, and everywhere we settle, mm. we work hard. We're hard workers. And this is one of the things that people in that Nigerian space are very jealous of. They're jealous of the fact that we are hard workers. Yeah. Okay, there was a genocidal war between 1967 and 1970. So we have about seven minutes left in our conversation. Yes. And this is the main meat. Okay. okay. So we finally come to the main course. Um I don't think anybody knows that. Okay, I'm sure some people know that. I did not know this. And I'm sure there's a lot of people like me. They're like, wait, we think of genocidal war. We might think of Rwanda. Maybe some people think of Darfur. But uh, nobody that I know is thinking Nigeria genocidal war. Give us the history. You got about six or seven minutes. Okay, I will be brief. And I know my brother wants to say something about that. Okay, so there was... Um, the people, we didn't agree with the people. The way, the way the country was being manipulated, and we knew, by the people who formed it. The people who created Nigeria was the Englishmen. Mm. And by name, Lord, Lord Lugard. Lord Lugard came into this space called Nigeria and kind of had um, an amalgamation of different nations. Mm. Because there are three main nations in Nigeria. There is the Igbo nation, there is the Duduwa nation, and there is the Arewa nation. Marched these three nations together, and I'm not sure that he understood how the tribes worked. Just like you said, mm-hmm. put them together, and they never agreed on which wow. way, what direction to make things move. <laughs> that doesn't go well. And at some point, <laughs> they said, okay, let's come together and really agree that we can rule our separate areas and nations. But come back to the middle and kind of have some things in common and still continue to be Nigeria. It's like a micro United States in that regard. That's what they wanted to form. Yeah. They went to uh, Buri in Ghana and had this accord, this agreement made. Mm-hmm. Everyone agreed and they came back. When they came back, the people who were ruling the north, the Ariwa nation, mm-hmm. was, was sub- kind of told not by Britain not to let the Biafrans go because at that point... The resources of Biafra has now exploded the oil and the gas. So they wanted that. That's what they wanted. Yeah. Uh, Go uh, ahead. And, and, and yes, um, uh, talking about the genocide mm-hmm. in Biafra land, there was 
immediately after independence, mm. close to five years after independence, the military struck. They overthrew the civilian administration that came into effect in mm. Nigeria because of deep-seated corruption and because of a statement made by a Fulani leader mm -hmm. called uh, uh, Sadwana of Sokoto. Mm. And the statement was so tribalistic, just like the question you asked about tribe. Mm -hmm. I would trace tribalism as is bad as it is to that statement. Mm. He situated people in their different categories. So when the military struck, mm -hmm. he was killed in the in the in the in the in the in the in the, in the, in the exercise. And now they covered up the true story. They saw the military coup as Igbo engineered coup wow. when it was not. And it took for 50 years after for Nigerians to begin to understand that the Igbo never planned the coup. But mm. a genocide was launched. People were killed in thousands and in wow. millions. So um, it, runs, it runs that deep. That is the, 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 the basis. And that genocide has not abated as, as we speak today. On daily basis, people are being killed. Killed in their farms, yeah. killed in their homes. Young men are being killed and their organs harvested. And wow. uh, we, we, it's, it's so heartbreaking. You know, it's interesting you mentioned the organ harvesting. That is actually one of the, the, the key um, uh, money money income trades for uh, Al-Qaeda and for Taliban and for the uh, the, the Islamic State in, uh, in Iraq, it, as well as the uh, CCP government. The communist Chinese government in uh, for the Uyghurs in uh, in what's that Western uh, China same thing, so it's it's a horrific practice. So we have just again a couple minutes left here. Where are we at? I mean, how many people are actually suffering? This is one of the items that I find hard to nail down when looking at social media. You never know what's true, what's not, what's where's accurate, what's up to date information. How many Christians are being persecuted in Nigeria today? I would say that Christianity is under attack mm. in Nigeria. That's to summarize it. No matter where you are as a Christian, you are a target. Even in even in the East. Even in the East. Anywhere. The, the East is really? obvious. Because I think everybody says, oh, that happens in the North. No. It's Everywhere. no big deal. In you the know. North, there is a, a, a particular belt in the North that mm -hmm. is called Zango Kataf. Those people are being killed day in and day out. Really? And now, the whole of the north where you have Christians, those are the places where they burn churches. If they burnt over 600 churches wow. in Nigeria, then about 550 should be within the north. In the south, in the east, mm -hmm. where we come from, you attack their church, they see their church on fire, people are going to come and defend it, they're going to come and fight back. Wow. But the persecution has been ongoing. So if you're a Christian, you don't even have a voice. And it's so unfortunate that even the church in Nigeria are not saying anything about it. Mm. Instead, they, 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 they see, um, yeah. they see visit to the seat of power as somebody going to heaven. When, <laughs> when they go to government places, yeah. they, they, they give them whatever they give them. They don't want to condemn actions. And let wow. me summarize by saying that no attack of Nigerian Christians has no, no, no arrest 
and no persecution as we speak. This is tragic. So this is an ongoing persecution. People are actually shedding their blood, losing their lives, and there's literally no response, no response. Yes. to this. And we have two minutes left and why, in our conversation. And why is there no response? There yeah. is no two response. Two minutes. We need to know why, and Correct. we need to know what to do. There is no response because there are at least six terror groups that operate in Nigeria all the time. With support from the government? Before, with support from the government. Wow. The, the president have even said that one of them, Boko Haram, that is known across the world, around the this world. This is the organization that kidnapped all those schoolgirls. Yes, sir. Yes. That one, the, the president has even made a, a public statement that he will protect them. They are being rehabilitated today to be taken out of Boko Haram and placed in the Nigerian army. Can you imagine you rehabilitate a, a Boko Haram so, wow. uh, person and you put that person in the Nigerian army and what do you get? You get a terrorist in the army. 60 seconds left in our conversation with Tina and Charles about Nigeria. What do we do? What can we do? Please, we want our voice to be heard. Yeah. We want the world to know. The, the, when, a, when a hawk takes a, a, a little chick, the chick is crying, not because the hawk is going to let go. Mm. But the world will know that he's been captured. We want the world to know through this medium. Mm. Uh, Catholic charity, if you go into their history, they were able to sustain Biafra, mm. supply gifts, uh, food, food to, uh, us. The, to, to us. So we want the world to know and, okay. come and put a stop to this carnage. Is there a particular website people should visit? Yes. Is uh is IPOB www.ipobinusa.org. Okay, IPOBINUSA.org. That's it. Tina Maru Odirika and Charles Awuza, thank you so much for your uh, voice today. Thank you for your time and thank you for helping to raise awareness about the persecution of Christians in Nigeria. God bless you both. Thank, Thank you, you very sir. much. Can I say the prayer that we have, prayer for Christians sure. in Nigeria? Heavenly Father, we bow low to your throne to beg you of your help against the terrorist groups assembled against your people in Nigeria. They are killing, raping, maiming, burning, and destroying homes and markets. Your people are brought low, dying of hunger and starvation at the hands of their Islamic enemies. Come, O King Mighty in Valor, and save your people. Save us, O Savior of the world, for by your cross and resurrection, you have, you have set us free. free. Amen. Amen. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Thank you for uh, being with us today on GRN Alive Monday. Uh, don't forget, we do still have the after show. We're going to be talking about a lot of the topics uh, in the program, in the after show with Teresa and team. And we're going to say goodbye to Adrian Fonseca. This is his last day here on the show as we send him off uh, to the Dominicans. So stick around for the after show on Facebook, Twitter, and on YouTube. All that and much more coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Thank you for listening to GRN Alive. From the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. For more faith, fun and facts, join our email list. Just text the letters GRN to the number 42828. That's GRN to the number 42828. And take Jesus wherever you go this week. Hi, this is Bob Dwayne with My Mutual Mortgage, a sponsor of KATH 910AM. My wife, Norma, and I have been longtime supporters of the Guadalupe Radio Network. We are praying for our country and all that are affected by the coronavirus. 
The drastic fluctuations in the market have caused mortgage rates to drop to record lows. If you'd like an analysis of your mortgage situation, we can be reached by calling 817-527-3166. That's 817-527-3166. My Mutual Mortgage is an equal housing lender, NMLS 12901. Blessed be God, blessed be His holy name, blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man, blessed be the name of Jesus, blessed be His most sacred heart, blessed be His most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be the Holy Spirit of Paraclete. Blessed be the Great Mother of God, Mary most holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. Blessed be Saint Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. Amen.